Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Caregivers Speak, the first online support group for caregivers by caregivers on the radio, and sponsored by eCareDiary.com. I'm Marjorie Papst, your host. My latest book is Words of Care, which can be found on Amazon.com, eCareDiary.com, and on my website, MyCaregivingCoach.com. The purpose of our show is to provide you, the caregiver, with tips and tools for your daily journey. Today, I welcome Sue Ventura, president of Easter Seals, Florida. Sue is, actually, she's the chief executive officer. Sorry about that, Sue. But that sounds very important. I carry both titles. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So she is also the uh, CEO of Easter Seals, Florida. She believes in the investment in the health and well-being of people with disabilities so that they can achieve as much independence as possible. That is really Easter Seal's mission. As an organizational leader and advocate for families, Sue has dedicated her career to helping families that Easter Seal serves as well as individual service recipients. She's worked for over 27 years at Easter Seals. As CEO, she's responsible for ensuring programs are responsive to families and caregivers' needs. She is a Florida State University graduate and certified rehabilitation counselor. And she has a designation as a sign language interpreter. She was honored in 2010 as one of the top women-led businesses in Florida. Sue was also, on a personal level, recently a caregiver for her father, who passed on in late January. So Sue comes to us today with at least two perspectives on the challenges that caregivers face. Sue, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Marjorie. Tell us first about your recent personal journey with caregiving. Oh, and a journey it has been. Uh, my mother passed away very suddenly in 2011. Um, undiagnosed heart disease, which is certainly a caution as, as uh, caregivers that came to learn more about the caregiving she was doing before she passed away. We were beginning to talk about my dad and some memory loss. In that very early forgetful repeating stage, unsure, where are we having lunch today? And asking it over and over. And I think it was having a lot more stress on my mother than I was even cognizant of. So my mom passed away. And my father, the shock of losing her so quickly, the depression, 56 years of marriage, um, and the memory problems just really escalated. And my sister and I took over trying to get my father evaluated by a neurologist and everybody just started throwing around all these words and terms. And even though here I've been at Easter Seals and we have programs for adults who have Alzheimer's and dementia, it just all felt new and fresh. It's like, I don't think I know anything about this until I stop and say, wait, I have a master's degree and I run programs that do this. So my dad continued to decline. He had health problems as well. He 
I didn't know he had kidney disease. Um, in the end, it was the kidney disease that really was mm-hmm. the, the cause of his demise. He had diabetes. I never knew how severe it was. You know, when you're the, when you're the child, parents, doesn't matter how old I am, right? they protect you from this information. Parents are supposed to be the strong ones. That's right, and it was such a role reversal, yes. taking care of my dad, and I brought him to, to my hometown because it was too difficult to do it long distance, and we were fortunate that he was able to live the living program, um, but I learned a lot about that journey, too, and being an advocate, and I had him enrolled in one of our Easter Seals Daybreak programs here for adult daycare for adults with dementia. And it changed my perspective on everything, both as a CEO, as a daughter, as a human being. And well, tell us about those. Tell us about some insights that you gained. Well, starting, I, I think first from the CEO level, uh, my my office is truly down the hall from the Dayberry program, and it had been for close to ten years. And I would pop over next door, and I knew a lot of the members that came to Daybreak, and I knew our staff. But it took on a whole different meaning when I'd walk over there and I'd sit down and play bingo for a little while or or take part in the poetry project that we would do. And the staff got to see me, not just the CEO worrying about our strategic plan and where's the funding coming from, but as a daughter, as a loving, caring daughter, and the struggles that they would have. My dad was in that that phase where he didn't think he needed any help. And so if anybody tried to help him, he would get a little combative. And I saw a side of him I never saw. And so my staff would see me vulnerable, crying. You know, I'm sorry I'm late today, but we had to stop and find a public restroom because, well, I don't have to go into the details. We all know those. And... I'm I, sure that's forged some bonds with them, hasn't it? It really has. And really believe I always had a lot of respect for all of my staff and the work that they do, but it really heightened my awareness. And, you know, maybe that report was in late because there was a really good reason because something was happening at the family level, at the program level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting because leaders often in any place, any business or nonprofit, uh, that balance between the, the people issues and the business issues and keeping the money coming in and yet always serving the, the customer. And so that's really that's really interesting. So you got some balance back too. Yeah. And I think it helped me be a better CEO on this on this journey to see that and to always look at everything, um, making sure I'm looking at it through the caregiver lens. Yeah. That's great. Anything else you want to share with us on insight? Um, I know that I think because of the work I do, I've always been a pretty sensitive person to others and people with disabilities and being patient. But I've certainly even turned that up a notch. And whether you're walking through the mall or the grocery store and you're seeing um, an elderly person um, struggling or, you know, a, a child who has autism having a meltdown, and just a lot more empathy for for what we're seeing. And 
<clears throat> I want to reach out. I want to help. I want to put my arm around them and say, I've been there. It's okay. Have, have the meltdown. Take the time that you need. Yeah. And it will get better. And it will get better at some point. It will get better. And people do reach out and say those things. And I found my, my faith in humanity even buoyed by perfect <laughs> strangers who offered to help yeah. and who were there for me. So I always want to make sure to do that back. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, I know that your daughter recently got married during the middle, the middle of March. And uh, you had shared with me um, before this program, even before the wedding, that you were anticipating maybe moving into somewhat of a low. Um, your father passes away, but then you have a wedding that has, speaking of booing you up, um, you had a wedding that brought you back up, and uh, you had a wonderful celebration. And But you were anticipating that after that, there might be a bit of a downward trajectory. And I know... I relate to that, and I'm sure many of our listeners do too. So tell us a little bit about that and how you're coping with now on the other side of caregiving and the other side of a wedding. <laughs> you know, right, right on cue, I guess I had enough insight into the grieving process to know that I, I, was, I had set it aside. My dad had hoped to be able to come to the wedding, even though I, I knew he wasn't going to be able to. And, of course, he did pass away. And I went right into wedding, wedding celebratory mode. And so now it's about a week out after that, and the realities are really sinking in. And you wake up in the morning, and there's no to-do list for the wedding, and there's no caregiving to-do list. Yeah. And about two months out, I wrapped up most of the business that comes with living and dying that I was taking care of for my father mm-hmm. as well. Difficult. And it, there's a, a real a void, a very an empty feeling of trying to look at redefining myself. Yes. And while my work is very meaningful and I love it, it's not healthy to bury myself in that either. Yeah. And so to look at my husband and say, oh, <laughs> I remember you, wonderful man, and um, being able to get back into life and, and look at this next chapter, and it, it feels um, awkward. It's like I, intellectually I know I should be looking forward, but emotionally I'm not sure I'm, I'm quite ready to abandon grief. That, that is such an interesting comment because I, I relate to that. It's a comfortable thing to be in grief because you, you can stay in your own shell and, yeah, and, and do that for a while. Well, you know, I would say that you are um, poised for a good future because you're aware. You know, you're, you're articulating it. There's a, so many, I'm not sure I was as aware as, as you are at this moment. Um, you're, you know what it is that you're feeling and that you should do one thing and where you're at um, emotionally and that you don't want to get caught in that forever. I think that's a huge step right there. Well, thank you. It, it, takes, it takes a lot of work to 
look for those feelings and recognize them and, and even more work to act on them. Yes. And, and that's where I'm trying to get in that phase right now of making plans, putting things on my calendar that are fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when people will say to me, oh, well, now it's your time. You can take care of you. Well, you quickly lose sight of what does that mean? And, oh, boy, what is it that I want to do? What is that? Right. Sometimes the world totally open to you is a real dilemma. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, it, but it's, a good, it's a good thing. And I know that's, you know, you can talk to yourself about the cycle of life and <laughs> just the gift that I, I had of taking care of my father at this time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know um, here in the context uh, uh, at Easter Seals, uh, by the way, for our listeners, we're sitting here at Easter Seals in Winter Park, Florida. Um, this is a headquarters. And um, I know you all are uh, would like to know more about Easter Seals. I remember when I first became um, aware of and engaged with Easter seals. I remembered as a child those um, seals that you put on the on the uh, envelopes at Easter time, and then my parents would buy them, but I really never knew quite what Easter seals did. So I know you're here in uh, 40 of uh, Florida 67 County, and so tell us tell us again about the mission and what you do here in this state? Sure. Well, Interstate Florida, which is the organization that I run, is these 40 counties in Florida, but there's Easter Seals throughout the rest of Florida, the country, and we even have global partners. So wherever anyone is that's listening to us today, they can find Easter Seals. Uh, we provide services, programs and services for people who have special needs across the lifespan. And one of the things that is very different, in every community, Easter Seals may look a little bit different, reflecting what that community needs. For example, last week I was in um, the southwest Florida area, and we have two schools for um, children, K-12, for autism. And we have a group home for adults who have autism. And here in Winter Park, we have our adult daycare program. We have child development centers where we have Inclusive child care, children who have disabilities are side-by-side with children typically developing, and they're able to get all of the support services that they need, the therapies, the early intervention services. Um, We have a wonderful camp in Central Florida, Camp Challenge, that serves... I love the name. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fabulous 63-acre camp with a high-roped course and... uh, um, uh, accessible swimming pool and the grounds are completely accessible and we've had campers who have come as far away as Michigan down here to Florida to come to camp. Uh, so we take campers from age 6 to 106 and we won't cut you off at 106. It just sounds good to say that <laughs> So um, it doesn't really matter, you know, in every community we do vocational services, we have personal emergency response services, we work in collaboration with school districts, with the Veterans Administration, uh, with, with uh, children's boards and taxing different children. Um, early intervention in Florida, the Early Steps Program for children birth to three with identified disabilities. So we're working 
not only in a program or service to help the individual who has a disability, but all of our services have a component for the families and for the caregivers because they just go hand in hand. Yeah. So any listeners out there who have children with disabilities, um, this is really important news. The other thing that really impressed me about Easter Shield is that you will often take people with extreme disabilities that perhaps other agencies or, or organizations can't take because they don't have the capability to manage and handle those. But you, you, you take whatever is there in a community and you help those everyone, uh, no matter how extreme the disability. Yes, and we really pride ourselves on that. We'll bring in the resources that we need. I can tell you how many times people come to us that have been discharged, which is the polite way of saying kicked out of some other program because um, the, the, the adult was bowel incontinent or the child's behaviors were, were too aggressive. And we'll bring in whatever services we need and, and do what it takes to help that family's loved one and what it is that they're trying to achieve. So we're, we're very proud of that. And I know you take really great care of caregivers here. Um, who come with their loved ones, and um, they come to daycare. And so tell us a little bit more about the Daybreak Daycare Center. Well, Daybreak, I always knew it was a wonderful program, but when I had my dad enrolled, I, I just really learned how great it was because it, it, it's adult day health care. So we have a nurse. There are adult daycare programs as well in our community and other communities where you may go for a congregate living or, you know, a meal and, and some activities. But we're here with medical supervision that um, we're, we're open so that the caregivers can bring their loved ones here and, and go to work if, if they're a working person or whatever they need for respite and to help their loved one live in their home. Most of the members that come to Daybreak and we call them members, not patients or clients, because they like that. Exactly. It's like coming to the club. Yeah. Um, and most of them live at home with their adult children. Mm-hmm. And then, and most of those children have children of their own. So they're in that sandwich generation. So they drop off their loved ones here at daybreak in the morning, and we serve breakfast. And we have, uh, my dad loved his coffee, and so they knew when Bert walked in the door, there was lots of coffee, hot, hot coffee ready for him. And they, they have activities where they engage them in current events. There are, uh, we use iPads to keep everybody current with the technology and playing games. Of course, everybody loves bingo, but we do exercises. We have an outdoor garden area where they do gardening and can take the activities outside with even little putting green. We serve lunch. Our nurse does the medication administration, so anybody who comes if they're on, uh, they need the blood sugar checked or any of their medications have to be administered while they're here, we can handle that. Um, and we will write a plan, a care plan, for every individual who's here and know what it is the caregiver is looking for. What are they looking to accomplish? And an activity calendar and a menu is posted, again, so caregivers can know what's been going on. And when you come in at the end of the day, I think this was my favorite part, even though I was just down the hall and I would try not to go back and let my dad have his day and I would try to work, 
they would tell me what he did because he wouldn't remember to tell me what happened during the day. And he loved to tell stories about his youth and um, you know going going to the the beach at Rockaway Beach in um, in New York and going to you know see the um, the Yankees play and so now all my staff knows all my my dad's stories, but they would tell me how he talked about you know, this or that during the day and how he participated in trivia and travel because he loved to travel. And I think he would enjoy that as we were driving home, we would sort of rehash the day and he would re-engage in it. And that's great. You know, he might try to pretend he remembered and sometimes he would <laughs> say, well, I don't know, but it sounds like it was fun. Yeah. yeah. So how could um, some of our listeners, caregivers, um, I'm assuming there are other daybreak centers or day centers around the United States that caregivers could access as well. Yes, Easterfield was actually the largest provider, not-for-profit provider of adult day health care services in the country. And so if you go to um, our national website, which is easterfield.com, that you can pop in your zip code, and it'll bring you to the local Easter Seals website. And whether you're looking for adult services or children's services or what vocational, whatever it is, they'll tell you what on the website what the Easter Seals near you is providing. And um, I think there are well over 100 um, adult faith centers across the country that are run by Easter Seals. And, you know, all the things you ticked off that were especially important to you as a daughter for your father um, at Easter Seal. You know, the communication really pops out at me, that communication with you uh, about what was going on during the day, uh, menus and activities, and then letting you know at the end of the day what had happened. And it seems to me there's a real communication loop that people should look for in a daycare center, whether it be Easter Seals or whatever uh, is in their community. Absolutely, uh, because it gave me the peace of mind because I knew what was happening and my dad was engaged. He wasn't just sitting in front of the television or something like that. But it, it also, I could have an, sort of an assessment of the, the quality of his day. It gave me conversation to have with him because it gets, it gets hard if you're being honest with yourself to realize that having a conversation, and my dad always knew me, and I know that that's not always the case for everyone, and, but having fresh conversation and things to talk about, I can talk about my day and we can talk about his day. Mm-hmm. It just adds such a richness. Yeah. yeah. I know one of the things caregivers sometimes um, wish they had and they don't always get is an extension of that wonderful day that their parent or spouse has had at a daycare center. You know, and I've even met caregivers who are rather trepidatious about picking up a loved one and thinking, oh, no, what do I do now for the rest of the day? So this talking about the day and um, being provided with information from staff of what happened during the day is critical mm-hmm. for extending that quality, well-being, a sense of, you know, well-being for you and your dad. I don't think I would have ever known that my dad could use the iPad. <laughs> I might not have thought of that. So I just simply downloaded the same kind of game that 
he liked word search games and things like that. And uh, some of the, you know, simpler matching games, he had enough retention to do those types of things. So I've got great ideas for things yeah. to do with him. That is a wonderful tool. I mean, because the iPad raises all expectations, too. And, you know, sometimes um, those with dementia are considered not as capable, but they are in many ways. And I'm sure the iPad brings that out and raises expectations and keeps people stimulated and engaged. It does. It does. And it, it's interesting because they always say that they're so these tablets are so intuitive, and you can see that in action because I didn't teach him anything, and he just <laughs> would try to swipe it, and it would work. That's terrific. It's really wonderful. I was not aware you were using them, and that, that is just another great tool here. And it's a, a tip for our listeners as well um, to perhaps buy one personally for you at home or some device like that that will um, that, that the two of you can work with together. Mm-hmm. We use the video conferencing to, to speak with my sister or keep him in touch with other people and I he was just mesmerized by the technology. That's great. Yeah. Well we are I can't believe it's almost out of time, but I'd like to ask you, is there anything else that I haven't asked that you'd like to talk about in our remaining couple of minutes? Well, I would like to share with our listeners another um, initiative that Easter Seals has called Make the First Five Count. And we're really working to help families make the most of those first five years. And if you go onto our either our Easter Seals website or makethefirstfivecount.org, we have uh, the ASQ, the Ages and Stages questionnaire that all families should be doing with their young children. If you suspect your child might have a delay or a disability, it's very, very helpful. But even if you just want to make sure your child is developing normally and you're, you're, you're very proud of the typical development, take the ASQ. Pediatricians are recommending it. School districts are doing it. And you can do it on our website for free. It will tell you how to, to do each of the activities with your child. And then by email, you will get the report back, and it will tell you uh, how your child is developing based on their age and the data that you put in. And if you find that your child does have a deficit of some sort, it will also, Easter Seals will give you uh, referral information and feedback. Maybe we should wait. Let's try it again in three months. Or here's a phone number. Let's not wait. Let's make this phone call today. And then also here in Florida, one of our staff members, we get the data back and we'll call the family and say, can we help you with anything here? So making the first slide count uh, is, is really essential. And so can take the ASQ in English or in Spanish at makethefirstsidecount.org. That is fabulous. You are always coming up with new things that really help people. And this is the latest tool. So I want to thank you so much, Sue, for sharing um, about Easter Seals and, as importantly, sharing your personal caregiving journey. Um, And I know there are people out there who have gotten so much from you, both personally and professionally, today. Can't thank you enough and hope you come back on the show at a later date. I'd love to. Thank you for having me, Margie. Um, For all of you out there, to remind you, this show will be archived 
on both mycaregivingcoach.com and on ecardiary.com. So um, if you know someone who needs these tools and tips and comments and information from Sue, then please encourage them to listen to the archive. Thanks again to all of you, and have a great rest of the day. Goodbye.